Peter. Yes, Frank. I've got a level with you. I feel so good because yeah. we finally finished all of the XP cards for Edge of the Earth. And isn't it lovely that it's so neat now? We had four first looks and then we've had four second looks and we're done. It's just lovely symmetry. Uh, didn't didn't we do six first looks? No, we did four, I think. Are you sure? Do you want to check? Guardian Seeker, Rogue yeah. Mystic, yeah. Neutral, some other stuff, and some multi-class. Did we only do three? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's great. We're done. We don't need to record any more about Edge of the Earth. I think, Frank, the mistake you've made is you've missed one of the classes there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you look at the back oh. of your binder, you'll find some red cards. That's the, the survivor class, I think. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know what that means, Peter. Yes, I'm afraid I do. We've got to spin those wheels. Yeah, yeah, got mine out. Well, let's let's hope against hope that this lands on survivor then. Cause Fingers crossed. Talk about. Ah, it's... It's Survivor. That's worked out pretty well, hasn't it? Thank goodness. Okay, well, we're going to need some support as well. So let me spin my special guest wheel. It's Veronica. Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing great, doing great. This is the second week in the row where we've both been at full health when recording. Marvellous. It's great news. Uh, but also, uh, we have a guest with us. Hey, it's me, Veronica. Hello, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Nice morning. Went for a stroll and now I'm recording and talking about survivor cards. So what more do you want? <laughs> what more do you want? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. It's so good to have you on the show, Veronica. Thank you. For listeners who don't recognize your name, how might people have come across you in terms of Arkham? So I have a YouTube channel uh, until the end of time, but I only sporadically update there because uh, busy with real life stuff. But I am also very active on uh, the Mythos Busters Discord as both a moderator as well as doing a card of the day thread, which is daily card discussions, and the campaign play along, which is a community Arkham experience kind of inspired by um, Think on Your Feet. Always lovely to hear that it's inspiring, yeah. And, I mean, Mythos Busters Discord is one of the places to go to talk about the game. There's just so much there, there's so many channels, and, yeah, I think it's really nice knowing that you're helping moderate that space, and, yeah, we're really delighted to have you on the show. Well, thank you. So, why Survivor? What is it about the red cards that gets you excited? I, oh, that's a tough question. I really like how Survivor, each Survivor is unique, which uh, much more than the other factions. Uh, I think, you know, you have some Guardian decks or some Seeker decks, you just, you know, take out whatever off-class cards don't work, and then you can bring them to any other investigator. Mm, For Survivor, yeah. it's really a, uh, it's a unique experience, right? Survivor really has this uh, emphasis on playing to your strengths and uh, either mitigating or playing around your weaknesses that I really like. And it really requires thinking about the game and working with the tools you have much more than I think the other factions. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think one of the challenges of reviewing cards when it comes to survivor cards is that the investigators often feel so individual that it can be really about trying to find the specific home in survivor for a particular card. And yet also one of the things is, you know, survivor is such a popular off class, isn't it? Because they've got so many cards that mitigate one of the biggest challenges of the game, which is failure. So you see people wanting to dip in the survivor pool from outside of it, but then also survivors wanting to use survivor cards in a really particular way. Yeah. Well, should we read some cards? I mean, that is why we're here, so sounds like a plan. Would you like to read us our first card? I would. Our first card is a Bengal of Jinxes. It is a asset for 1 XP, 2 cost, and it has a willpower icon. It is item, charm, and curse traded. I don't think we have an investigator that takes cursed yet, right? No. Okay, and then it has uses, one charge, a free triggered ability to spend one charge. You get plus two skill value for this test, limit once per test. And then a reaction ability, after an enemy attacks you, place one charge on Bengal Jinxes. A tongue twister. And it takes up the accessory slot. Mmm. Wow. And it has a terrifying, like, doll's head as part of the art. I would assume that's a Jinx. Yeah. I really like the design of this card. It's obviously for Daniela. Uh, this is uh, a card that requires you to get hit, so, you know, mm-hmm. that's what she's about. But oddly, I also find it kind of confusing for Daniela because her stat line is so min-maxed, right? She has four willpower yeah. and five combat, but then one intellect and two agility. It's like, this isn't going to make you pass your combat tests any harder than you already were, and it's not going to make you succeed at those intellect tests with just this card. Yeah. So it's a bit odd there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're taking the words right out of my mouth here. Uh, That's exactly agree, yeah. my thought as well. Yeah yeah, 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 totally agree as well. She's, she's already geared towards doing what she needs to do with her stats. So I guess the question is, who else does this go in? And I think maybe this applies to a lot of the uh, survivor cards in this pack, or certainly the ones that are tailored towards Dan- Daniela, that they also don't necessarily um, look out of place in Calvin either. Uh, you mm. said what I wanted to say, yeah. yeah. I think this is <laughs> this is very interesting to me for Calvin because I am used to playing Calvin on that Razor's Edge, right? You get to five or even six if you have the tarot card. Damage and Horror, you have these amazing high stat lines. If you take any damage and horror, you're just going to die. But, uh-huh. you know, just play around that and make sure that doesn't happen. With this, and it's not that expensive, right? It's one XP, two costs, pretty easy mm-hmm. to put down. I can imagine Calvin being a little bit more safe, you know, three damage, four damage, and horror, and then using this to make up for the points and stats you're missing. And, you know, you're Calvin, you already want to take damage and horror to get your stats up, so no problem in getting hits. So, yeah, I really like this for Calvin. Accessory slot, as we'll get into more with maybe some other cards, is one of the most contested slots in the game, or it's not quite ally slot level yet, but it's getting there. So that's my main concern for this card. It's like, am I really willing to play this in my accessory slot? Am I willing to play for Relic Hunter for this? But I like... I mean, it's free unexpected courage just whenever you get punched in the face. It's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think it, you could maybe see it fueling you through the sort of mid-game with Calvin. If you can get it down early game, before your stats are astronomical and you're all set up, this could help you pass any crucial tests while you're still on sort of two to three horror or damage. Mm-hmm. Um, just mm-hmm. having that, that boost at that point feels like it might be good. And in, in that situation, you could maybe overwrite it 
later in the game if you get like a, a kind of a, an end game accessory that you you want to play instead maybe mm. i think it's not uncommon as well to have a calvin turn where an enemy's drawn and you just let it hit you two or three times you know maybe twice in the investigative phase once in the enemy phase and this reaction ability isn't limited so if you do just have a turn of getting beaten up your stats go up and you also pile three or four charges on this and then this is ready to go that's going to be an unexpected courage a turn for the next four turns say i think that's really cool the other thing i'd note about calvin is sometimes you end up with that weird position where your stats are really uneven because you've taken a lot of horror but you haven't taken a lot of damage or vice versa and having this to kind of smooth out where you're struggling is quite nice the other thing i'd maybe shout out is that and i think this is going to come up a fair amount yorick and Tommy. Tommy, yeah, I was about to say exactly this, Rank, yeah. <laughs> the kind of the same the same faction access as Dan well not saying access, but the same factions as Daniela. We're starting to see that Guardian plus Survivor equals I don't mind getting hit in mm. some way. And so maybe there's scope for them. They both have flatter stat lines than Daniela, so maybe they make more use out of this. For me, the sticking point is the slot. Yeah, though I will mention there's a card coming up later. One of the cards that I've usually played in Yorick and Tommy is Cherish Keepsake, and there's a card coming mm. up later that uh, might take over that role without taking up the accessory slot. Wow. Mm. Okay. Well, should we move on? Sounds good. Right, we have a uh, one-cost survivor event, Burn After Reading. This, I did, I've done this, every time I do this, I do this in a different order, Frank. I don't know whether that annoys you. Sort of annoys no, myself. not at all. It annoys me, but in a good way. <laughs> I appreciate it, Chaotic. but it's also... Yeah. There you go. Live feedback on the cast, Peter. <laughs> so we've got Burn After Reading. This is a one-cost, one-XP survivor event, and it has a wild icon and the insight trait. Exile a level 0 to 5 card in your hand. Discover two clues at your location. If the exiled card was level 2 or higher, remove one doom from the current agenda. Exile Burn After Reading. Card designed by the Council in Exile at Gen Con 2020. This very much reads like a card designed by the Council in Exile because it does <laughs> three really weird things in a row. <laughs> Two clues, maybe remove a doom, it exiles itself. Yes. It also exiles another card, which gets us into one of the first things that this card can potentially do, which is be inadaptable. If you have um, Deja Vu, which yeah. is a card I believe you are familiar with, uh, you can keep using this to exile level 0 cards from your deck and put new level 0 cards in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for a benefit as well, getting two clues every time you do it. Imagine if Adaptable like just gave you clues during the game. Yeah, it's really interesting because I've actually played this card, snuck it into a deck going into the finale, and it wasn't actually as good as I expected, but that deck was also really good, so maybe <laughs> we'll get the... <laughs> So I think this card is pretty good. My main note is that, yeah, you were usually playing this for the two clues, but it's worth saying that if you're going into a finale and you have, say, a 3 XP ally like Granny Orn, and you have two copies of her in your deck, well, after you've played your first copy, you don't really need the second copy unless she dies. Try not to mm -hmm. have her die. You can exile the other copy with this, and then you get to remove a Doom, basically for free. And yeah. there are a couple of finales where that one Doom can really matter. I was playing um, Where the Gods Dwell, and uh, removing one doom from the agenda there makes a difference. That's huge, yeah, yeah. That's a re that's a really nice thought. Actually, I like that a lot. It's like that that 
you don't mind exiling a card in the last in the last scenario, but suddenly every single card's in exile um, along, alongside this. It's a weird one as well because to get these two clues, you're you're spending two cards because you're spending burn after reading and the other card you exile. In terms of card to clue efficiency, it's not it's not wildly efficient. You know, you're spending a card per clue, basically. So I'd be really tempted to be thinking about trying to hit that remove a doom as well, just to to make it really valuable. And then trading two cards for a doom and two clues feels really good. For me, it's falling into this weird niche with De Vermis Mysteries and Eidetic Memory, where I don't often see people playing cards that explicitly remove cards from players' decks. Because, broadly speaking, most people want to loop their deck and see cards again. And if you're removing a card because it's a bad card in your deck, why did you put it in there? And if you're removing a card that's a good card, you don't get to see it again. Do you know what I mean? It's It falls in that odd, odd space where I think I need to embrace it more. The burn bright, every card in my deck is potentially a card I can just use to remove doom or whatever it is. Am I making sense? Yeah, and I think that leans into the flexibility, but also the kind of unorthodox approach of Survivor, where, as you say, sometimes you have a card that you had completely different plans for, but this is what the scenario is asking of you right now, and yeah. this is what, what, what you can do. Yeah. Everyone who's had to commit Golden Pocket Watch to a, to a test for the single icon knows what you're talking about there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we talked about the rogue cards, we spotted that um, the red clock level 5 gets an extra wild icon <laughs> for exactly that situation. So the one last thing I kind of want to add on this card before we move on. Uh, so the reason it says level 0 to 5 card, uh, the original version, which I actually have in front of me right now, uh, just said a non-weakness, but that meant you could exile signature cards with it, which I don't think they wanted. So oh, that's no. why they fixed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, I was going to say the same. Obviously, signatures don't have a level, so... Yeah, in, say, I don't know, Stella, where you've got three signatures. Her signatures are fantastic, but yeah, maybe you are turning those. Thankfully, you can't do that, so that's good. It was yeah. anything else they changed from the original design? Yeah, there was a bunch. They changed the original, let you discard or exile cards, and they also discovered uh, half the uh, discover clues equal to half the cards level, but I don't know. This card, the, the original beta card was never something that I think they should have, they should print because it was probably too strong and also just kind of weird with the rules as i said yeah. exiling signatures isn't the thing they should do so uh, i'm happy with the card we ended up with even if i think it's a bit unusual it is a bit unusual it is there's a little bit of a nice theme on it as well a sort of like a meta theme on it you're, you're burning another card in your deck um for some advantage it's a kind of weird theming but but kind of works and worth noting as well just finally that this is coming in the box with the Edge of the Earth Investigators, where we've talked a lot about how their decks transition. So that that whole thing about the adaptable, I think, has extra value here, where you might exile a Guardian level zero card, and so after the scenario you get to add a new Survivor level zero card, because you've got space in your, your five Survivor off-class, if you're Daniela. Yeah, or, or the, the, the common problem is you exile not necessarily one of these ones where you exile a card that you want to level up mm. no it is it is yeah exactly yeah because we were talking about this with lily with safeguard weren't we yeah yeah do you take safeguard zero in lily when you're probably going to get safeguard two yeah exactly yeah you could you could exile safeguard zero 
pick a new Guardian Level 0 card and then also upgrade. Yeah. So yeah, I like that. I think having a pseudo-adaptable is really cool. Shall we move on? Yeah, please. Next, we have Strength in Numbers. This is a 1 XP skill. It has one wild icon. Innate and Synergy traded. Strength in Numbers gains a wild icon for each different class among cards you control. Watch my back, will ya? In fact, watch my front too. And the art is like a museum heist, maybe? Yeah, but there's like three of them have foiled the heist by the looks of it. Definitely something went wrong here, yeah. So this was the first synergy card that we saw. It was in the preview article for the Edge of the Earth investigator box for player investigators (laughs) expansion. Yes. It's just such a good joke. Um, And I actually... So I really like this card, but I don't necessarily think it shows up the strengths of Synergy very well. Because this is a reasonable card. It's Unless you're Lola, it's always going to be two wild icons, because your investigator card counts for a class. And you're probably going to have three wild icons. You're going to have some other class card under your control. Mm -hmm. And that's fine, and I actually think that's quite good. 1 XP for a three wild icon card, like, I would play a couple of those, especially in someone like, say, um, Silas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think this is necessarily the kind of card that makes me want to go, well, I want to play five different classes. I want to have this six wild icon card. Like, that's fun, but the amount of effort you're putting into setting that up isn't necessarily worth you being able to pass one test. If you want to do that, there are other tricks in Survivor that can let you do that. So I end up really liking this card, but not thinking that it's a synergy payoff. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. It's almost synergy adjacent. If you happen to be doing a synergy jet deck, for some other reason, this card will get better as a result. But if you're focusing your entire deck around, I want to get a six wild icon strength in numbers, maybe it's not worth it. But that raises a sort of bigger question, I think, about the skills we've seen in this box, that a lot of the skills, you know, the skills that um, add stats together or some of the other ones, they don't have much text on them. So the thing that we kind of keep rubbing up against is do you want to pay an xp for a skill that's maybe lots of icons is that is that what you're after and i think that's a really interesting design space because when this is at three wild icons it's like a neither rain nor snow or a take the initiative that never runs out of icons or an inquiring mind where you don't need a clue so i can i can see myself enjoying having that it's nearly a promise of power but without the curse so yeah, I see that as as a, a good thing, and I think I'd be interested in getting to that point without actually building necessarily a synergy deck. Do you want to know who I'm really excited to put this in? Go on. Patrice. Ooh, nice, yeah. She already runs a bunch of skills that are just a bunch of wild icons. Uh, mm-hmm. I've actually been playing through the Innsmouth campaign with uh, Patrice as my co-pilot, and it's just like, yeah, I just want to pass all my tests. So I'm just going to have all these cards that have all these icons and I have corners and all that stuff. And I think especially if you're not going the cornered route, which a bunch of people in the Discord have been kind of going away from that because it's a good strategy in Patrice, don't get me wrong, but it's maybe a little bit like, yeah, you just throw your cards in corner and you just pass your tests. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah. you know, you can do all kinds of other interesting things with her. And yeah, I think this is like 1 XP, very easy to get in. She's almost always going to have a Mystic asset and a Survivor asset in play, and at that point, you know, you're off to the races. How does she feel about the new uh, multi-class spell assets? Is there any of those that she likes? Because they could be nice to slip into her and then just bump this up a little bit as well. And potentially, she, I don't know whether she minds close the circle either. That might be quite nice for her. She'd love more actions, yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's great. And more actions you can use your willpower for because of course she has that really like <laughs> one-sided stat line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's a wee deck there actually. What about you, Peter? What do you make of strength in numbers? Yeah, um, I think I sort of agree with everything Veronica said. I think it a, a bit like cheat the system. It doesn't take much for it to to be fine. Like two icons puts you on three wild icons, which is nice. Uh, I don't mm. think a, a three wild icon card is is by any stretch of the imagination bad, and it has it doesn't have no downside because obviously you need to have the assets in play. But there's no restrictions on playing it once you've got up to three assets. It's not like Inquiring Mind when it lets you down just when you you need mm-hmm. it to mm-hmm. to be there for yeah. you. But more broadly on synergy, I think the point Amber Autumn made last week, uh, or, or um, yeah, it was it was Amber Autumn who said it. The, the 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 pack seems like a kind of developed environment, and it's almost like synergy, a bit like Bless, can be approached on a team building level. If you have mm-hmm. someone in your team who's able to hand out assets of different factions to different players by various means, suddenly the synergy cards, just having them as, 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 a, as an odd include, they become a lot quicker to get to okay, and their ceiling is a lot easier to reach without dedicating your deck to doing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're playing with a Bob who's got Black Market, Strength in Numbers, like Veronica says, it's not hard to get it to, to two or three icons, when you're playing with Bob, it's probably not that hard to get it to four icons, which is mm-hmm. which is great for one XP, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, really nice. It's a promise of power without any downside. Yeah. I will also add, uh, it usually is going to start at two icons because your investigator card counts. So this yes. is almost always going to be at worst an unexpected courage, which yeah. I have played a lot of cards where they are at worst an unexpected courage, and I've been happy about that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd put cornered in my deck which turns every card into an expected courage <laughs> yeah you're spending xp for that privilege uh, yeah exactly okay next card it's back to you veronica so our next card is another skill card for one xp it is dauntless spirits it is innate and it is developed while dauntless spirit is in your hands or committed to a skill test it gains willpower icons equal to your combat and combat icons equal to your willpower this day just keeps getting better and better so it's Impossible not to compare this card with Strength in Numbers. This is the two skills that um, Daniela really likes, which makes sense to her expansion. Sadly, I'm, I like the flexibility of Strength in Numbers a lot, which is why I'm rating Dauntless Spirit a lot lower, which is maybe a bit unfair, because I don't think the card is by any means bad. But I think the problem I run into is, well, what if I want to do an intellect test? What if I want to do a agility test? <laughs> Would I rather have a card that probably has you know four combat icons... Or a card that has two or three icons, but I can use them for anything that I want. And as a survivor player, I usually prefer flexibility over just raw power, which is why this card to me is... I'm I'm having difficulty seeing it. I do have a couple of places where I expect to see it, and one of those places is the campaign play-along, which, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is something that I host over at the Mythosbusters server. And it is a weekly event where everybody kind of signs up and then they play through a campaign one week at a time using a restricted card pool. Only the core set, investigator starter decks, and one campaign worth of cards. And I think 
that one of the problems that all these cards, the Dawn of Spirit and its various uh, counterparts in the various classes, run into is that they're just, you know, there's a lot of competition for your XP and your card slots, but in the campaign play-along, a lot of that competition doesn't exist. So I'm very excited to see if when we get to Edge of the Earth with the campaign play-along, these cards will be, you know, a lot more popular, because I expect they will mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something about paying an XP to combine maybe a bunch of neutral cards into one, which is one option. You lose the you lose the draw a card ability, but you you gain the deck slots, which I like. And yeah, I think looking for those impactful cards in a limited card pool is absolutely spot on. I'm I'm wondering about these stats. They're such an interesting pair of stats for Survivor, aren't they? They are, but you know, I think it's an investigator you both really like, and I also really like. I think everybody likes him. It's Silas. Yeah, I was just thinking about this. Now, we're, it's one of my weird cards that I like for some reason and every time Frank sends me a deck to comment on I always say he should put Steadfast in and I, I don't know why <laughs> I, I just I think I've I've always just liked Steadfast and this feels like a better Steadfast than in quite a few investigators like for Silas this becomes four willpower icons and well two combat icons obviously whereas Steadfast is three and three at its top level at its top level yeah but gets worse, obviously, as you play the game. Thought and Spirit stays like that. Mm. I think there's... The, the, the thing uh, Davi mentioned about the the kind of 1xp tax on uh, the Edge of the Earth investigators for kind of some core cards, I think, yeah, I, re- I really like the look of this in Daniela. Frank and I had a discussion about uh, Steadfast versus Daring in Lily, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And you came down on the side of daring because it draws your cards, which is drawing cards is good in a card game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, like I can see this in Daniela sort of filling a similar sort of role. If, if, you're, if, you, if you've taken Steadfast, you can take Dauntless Spirit at level one instead and ditch the Steadfast for some better level zero um, picks. No, no, sorry. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference because she can take as many level zero guardian cards as she wants. Yeah. It's all about deck slots for me, then. Yeah, my my problem with what you said is that you said, you know, it combines a couple of neutral cards, you get the flexibility, but you lose the car- draw cards. The draw card is the reason why I play those neutral skills. <laughs> yeah, icons I are nice, but yeah. I would like to draw cards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I suppose more, I mean, I can see players deciding, right, I'm going to sacrifice draw because I want the slots. I want to put a different card in my deck instead. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying I can see players doing that. I am judging you silently. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What about Tony? Patrice with improvised weapon. No? <laughs> what about Tony? Is Tony uh, can take uh, Survivor level one, can't he? Yeah, yeah he can. Events and skills. If, if, he, if he goes for the, the Survivor build, which is one that no one really goes after. Mm-hmm. That's not true. I've seen it. I've actually built it a couple of times. What other I've cards killed does he like? Solo doing that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. This is another card yeah. that fits into that, then. So, there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. The reason you play Tony Survivor is for, like, Lucky and Perseverance and all the other ways to make you right. not die to not your, die. like, two, <laughs> ho- two hover, I think. Yeah. 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 And this this slots into that strategy because it's five uh, Wolpar icons for him, yeah. which is, you know, he might make a Frozen Fear test with that. Maybe. If he doesn't draw out of hell again. Yeah. <laughs> I was playing Monterey Jack last night and forgot that Frozen Fear was in Light in the Fog, and uh, I was not happy. I have literally just played 
Monterey Jack solo in Light in the Fog. I remembered that Frozen in Fear was in it. Had Frozen in Fear for maybe two or three turns and was like, no, this is okay, I can get past this. Committed a load of things, passed it. Very next mythos. No joke. Very next mythos. I drew another copy of Frozen in Fear. That's how they get you. Yeah, that was a real, a real gut punch. I was like, no, no. But yeah, yeah, hard relate. Do we have anything else to say about Dauntless Spirit? I'm happy to move on. Okay. Same. Oh, I just want to add, I think I loved the art. Uh, Yeah, it's good art. The sort of almost sepia style, the kind of sunny beach style. And I don't know who this character is, but he looks really cool. I I love the coconut. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the coconut drink, right, with the straw. I, I, it feels to me like it's on the deck of a cruise ship. Oh, nice! Yeah, potentially during the events of Unfathomable. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's isn't he on a sandy beach? But he's like hiding behind a table. Anyway, that is really cool as well. I think, and the art does bring to life this idea that if you are a resilient, sort of high willpower character, it makes you a better fighter. But also, if you're good at fighting, you'll maybe be able to overcome the mythos. So I think that's really cool. Peter, next it's you to read. Yeah, uh, we have Blood Will Have Blood. This is a 1 cost 2 XP event. It has a willpower and a combat icon. And it is Pact and Cursed traded. Fast, play after an enemy attacks you. Max, 1 per attack. Damage or horror from this attack cannot be assigned to ally assets. For each point of damage and or horror you took from this attack... Draw one card. Well, moving on. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> no. You say that, but I, I think I was down on this card when I first read it, and I was like, I'm never going to play that. But thinking about it, I I don't necessarily think it's terrible. When you compare it to, I mean, a secret draw card, obviously it's not as good, but it's not like totally... If, if like, say four would be a good value to draw from it, right? Yes. If you get two, two damage, two horror attack. And Cryptic Research... That's what it's three cards for four XP or four cards for mm-hmm. three XP. <laughs> three for four. <laughs> yeah. I do have a question for you then, though. Go on. How many enemies do one attack for a total of four damage and horror combined? Well, not. I don't think you could reliably say you'll see one in a scenario. Exactly. So the question is is this okay to play for two cards, for example? I think that's going to be the situation that's going to come up a lot. And I think that makes me hesitant to put this in a deck right away. But I will add, enemies tend to get stronger as the campaign progresses. So mm-hmm. I could totally see this uh, becoming something that, despite it being only 2xp card, something you only buy near the end of the campaign because the enemies have gotten strong enough to be hitting you for 3 or 4. And, I mean, if there is an Ancient One that's doing you know 3 damage, 3 horror or something... This does just draw six cards, which yes. is kind of wild, and I love that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's if you're playing as Daniela, and let's face it, this seems like it's going to be a pretty obvious fit in Daniela if you're going to take it at all. Like you might resolve yourself to to taking a big hit from a big enemy to say evade it, and then get yourself set up by drawing a bunch of cards. Mm-hmm. I think healing stock rises with this card as well because you might want to make sure you're healthy so that you can trigger this for maximum effect. I think paying one resource and a card to draw three, I'm okay with that, particularly if it's in 
combination with other things. But yeah, I take your point that it's most likely to only draw you two, which isn't great. It's like it's like the I've had worse conundrum, right? Which is that yeah. I've had worse level four is rarely better than I've had worse level two. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I'd add though is that the soak here, the damage and horror, it doesn't make it direct. So if you're playing this in Tommy, Yorick, or Daniela, you might be running leather coats or keepsakes or true grit or something worth fighting for, maybe. And you can still assign the damage and horror to those things. It's just allies that you can't assign this to. So your yeah. recent Daniela deck, Peter, that was the Jessica Peter Sylvester thing, yeah, this this really shuts that down in a way. Well, I had two leather, leather coats in that deck as well. I actually think that that's mostly a punishment for... Or punishment. It's mostly a drawback for Calvin, who who maybe doesn't run as much soak and tends to, at least in my experience, really rely on Jessica and Peter. Yeah, and... yeah. But the point is, the, the, the point that came to me as I was thinking about this card is sometimes you have to take the damage from an attack anyway. And mm. would this card be worth it to draw cards off that? I think, like, in principle, it's a fine idea. It's just whether it's just the power level of how many cards mm. you draw for the attack. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. if it was a, if it was a, you, you take an attack, if it had the words, damage horror from this attack cannot be assigned to ally assets. And you play it after an enemy attacks you, blah, blah, blah. But it drew you three cards every time. I think it would be much more appealing at, at the price and the XP it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be all if over it that. Was just, just three cards, boom, there you go. But then again, I can also totally see myself putting this in at least one copy in just a Stella deck. Because, let's face it, I've got eight health, eight sanity, just bring to yeah. my investigator. I'm just going to be fine. Yeah. But then again, in Stella, like, you've got lots of, like rabbit's foot you know and drawing thin you've got a lot of good ways to draw cards what i'm not lacking instead is is a card like this yeah i i don't play uh, i should mention i don't play drawing thin instead because uh I it's too good don't like yeah exactly it's <laughs> it's a bit too good for my taste but that actually does bring up an interesting discussion that we've had is <laughs> when will we see the drawing thin for enemy attacks the makes the enemy hit even harder but you get some kind of reward for it because yeah will be fun tease teasing is what it's called mm. I think for me the other thing is flipping this card on its head and thinking how we're seeing a survivor sub theme of leveraging enemy attacks particularly in Daniela to make progress and this is just an addition to that like if you're taking hits from Daniela taking hit as Daniela already because that gives you the evade as you said Peter or more damage or turns on the wrench then this is also draw that keeps yeah. you going. That's that's um, what I said, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think that's bad, and I, I think the same actually with Calvin. If early on you're taking a hit because you're powering up your stats anyway, also getting cards out of that, to me, is a net good. I don't want to get like too deep into, into healing and soak on this episode, because it's, it's, a, it's a theme worthy of an episode in itself. But it's always been one of the issues with healing and soak for me, is that, well, healing in particular, it, it's hard to translate healing into tempo it's only ever reactive to you already having not done well and it 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 won't make a difference unless you would have died anyway so so cards that allow you to turn damage you take or horror you take into into tempo i think are really good and really well placed that's why i think danielle is really good um and um I'm annoyed. People are underrated her <laughs> when she was announced because <laughs> she, she exists exactly within that niche. Yeah. So 
having having now uh, played alongside somebody who was playing Daniela, I wasn't playing her myself. I uh, must admit, uh, when Daniela was first previewed, I had some you know reservations, but having seen her on the table, she's just really strong. Yeah. She's really powerful. And she's, <laughs> I think the other thing that it's hard to when you when you first look at it, it's hard to to gauge how good her stats are as well. I think she's got really good stats. Mm. Sorry, this isn't a Daniela yeah. episode. Juicy one intellect. Yeah. Listen, right. I've off. Oh, no, go ahead. Go on, Veronica. No, I was going to make a stupid joke. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've made, I was going to make a Survivor Intelligence Dumpstart joke. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Next, we have Fire Extinguisher. This is a two-cost, three-XP asset with double agility icons, item, tool, and melee. It has two different action abilities. The first is action, fight. You get plus one combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. The second one is action, discard, fire extinguisher, evade. Automatically evade all enemies engaged with you. You may exile Fire Extinguisher instead of discarding it to discard each non-elite enemy evaded by this effect. And it takes up hand slot. They actually did it, those madmen. <laughs> so I rem- I have played the original Fire Extinguisher once. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was playing the core set and I think everybody knows it's for the, the, what, the path. Uh, I don't even remember what it's called. In the Devourer Blow, you have to yeah. evade all the cultists. I didn't win. <laughs> it didn't go well. But uh, the fire extinguisher has long, I think, been a kind of the butt of the joke for being objectively kind of a bad card. I'm very happy with this one. It's yeah. really, really good. <laughs> mm. Let's compare the level one and the level three. So level like one, the first action ability. Glow up in every imaginable way, isn't it? Yeah. The action ability is fight. You get plus one combat for this attack. So for level three, they've added... a. Uh, plus one damage that just turns this into, yeah, a steady plus one, plus one. Mm-hmm. Makes such a big difference because, uh, I don't know, the um, Time Worn Brand, which is a five XP neutral card that just plus two combat and plus one damage. And that card was pretty popular a couple of, I think it's still pretty popular. Like, yeah. just the ability, Machete, the reason why Machete was tabooed is because just having this like a weapon that you put down and then you just start hitting with it it's really good. And now Machete has a bunch of drawbacks. This card has none of those drawbacks and is cheaper to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it has this other action. Yeah. I think it's it's kind of funny that one of the most deadly weapons in the game, alongside an ancient mystical relic, is a fire extinguisher <laughs> that you just grabbed off the wall and they're clunking yeah. enemies yeah. over the head with. It's it's very funny to me. And then the second ability, the level one version was action exile it. You get to evade. And you get plus three agility, and if you succeed, you evade everyone engaged with you. Whereas this has then become a discard instead of an exile, an auto evade instead of a plus three agility, which immediately to me makes me think, oh wow, I might be tempted to run this in low agility survivors if there were such a thing. And then you have this exile choice, which I think is really good. Um, Do I really need to discard all of these enemies because say I'm in a location with a load of cultists with doom on them and that will will clear them all out I'll do that or do you think oh, actually no I just need to evade them this turn and I can start you know working on them with another weapon I have or something like that yeah it's just incredible or you just get this back and then you do it again next turn yeah. and again yeah. next turn because yeah. there's this little corset card. I don't think a lot of people have ever heard of it. It's called Scavenging. <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of good. And this is an item. 
And I haven't managed to make this deck uh, come together yet, but I really want to do uh, probably a Yorick, maybe a Yorick, because Yorick doesn't need scavenging, but he can do the same kind of tricks. Mm. Or Kelvin, who can do scavenging, where you just, yeah, you just stand in the location with all the enemies, you evade all the enemies, you bonk them overhead a bit, you get your fire extinguisher back, you play your fire extinguisher, next turn you do the same damn thing. And you mentioned low, ev- or low agility uh, survivors. Uh, hello, Daniela. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think she loves this card. <laughs> and I want to kind of get into what a little bit of kind of philosophy of Survivor, why I love this card so much. Because, I mean, on the face of it, it's just like, oh, you have this uh, kind of area of effect, evade, uh, cunning destruction, or you have this okay weapon. It's not a plus two damage weapon, so it's not, you know, it's not blowing anyone away. The reason I love this card is the flexibility, the versatility of you just have this card in your deck that can do so many different things. If you're in a situation where you just need to hit things, that's fine. You have plus one combat, plus one damage, and we've talked about ways for survivors to boost their stats already. It's going to be fine. It's going to be a workhorse. But when the situation gets tough, when the things, when the enemies start piling up, you have no idea what you're going to do. The survivor goes, oh, don't worry, I'm just going to evade everybody. Mm-hmm. right? And that's the kind of thing that appeals to me so much about survivor is that they are the ones that when the things get tough they have all the shenanigans and the tricks to make it just work. Mm-hmm. And so I think this XL effect is very narrow. I don't think you're going to want to pay 3 XP to, to discard a bunch of enemies that you could have evaded anyway a lot of the time. But when it happens, it will be incredible. Imagine discarding a whole bunch of v- uh, Vengeance enemies in uh, Forgotten Age, right? Because mm-hmm. they're discarded, yeah. they're not defeated, they don't go to the victory display. Oh, that's the really nice. Pit. Yeah, the snake pit would be really good. The ventral serpents who all turned up again. <laughs> totally, I totally agree. T- to be able to handle a situation when things have got bad rather than only be able to handle situations when things are good is quintessentially Survivor. Well, we have a uh, an upgraded Plucky. We have Plucky level 3. Zero cost, two willpower icons, two intellect icons. It is a talent and composure. Fast, limit one composure in play. You get plus one willpower and plus one intellect. Non-direct damage or horror must be assigned to Plucky before it can be assigned to your investigator card. Free triggered ability, spend the resource. You get plus one willpower or plus one intellect for this still test. One damage, three horror. Mm-hmm. So the level one Plucky is the only composure out of the five that I've ever played from Carcosa. Oh, and, wow. Uh, yeah, and the reason is the same reason why I really like this card. Because there's not that many survivor cards that give you more intellect. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a sore spot for them. All the composures give, except for the mystic one, give uh, one boost to a very good stat for the faction and one boost to a very bad stat for the faction, their worst stat. But for survivor, that really matters because, well, clues is how you win the game usually, and getting just plus intellect can help you win scenarios if you have enough money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, totally. you, can cut, you can cut this out, Frank, but. Um, your opening there is exactly what Amber Autumn said about Moxie as well. <laughs> I'm um, not surprised. <laughs> all of the cards boost your main and then also give a boost to, to uh, a secondary as well. I might have stolen that line from Amber actually. <laughs> well, it, it's but it's but it's interesting on Moxie because Moxie's like is is the same, but but it's willpower that's the bad stat. Um, so they get the 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 agility boost just because they're rogues, but also much like Survivor, don't get many intellect boosts. That's a mm. nice spending money something which is easy to do in rogue it's a nice boost for them as well can i say as well plucky's got one of my favorite arts in the game 
Yeah, you can say that, of course. I'll say it's it then. So good. Plucky's got one of my favourite I feel like um, a rare, maybe a podcast first, I'm running out of things to say. because oh, I've, I have I've lots of things to say. raved so much about the composures over the last four second looks, and yeah. this one completely falls into that as well. Like, I agree with you completely, Veronica. It's It, it gives you a nice defensive stat. Maybe you're not too worried about that in Survivor, but it's still nice. And then it gives you the intellect boost. The amount you have to pay to get to that position is only the 3 XP because this is fast at zero cost. Once it's down, that's just great. You can be going to town with that. And yeah, I think there's like plenty of places where I could find a, a home for this. And the, the sanity soak is good as well. Yeah, I do want to just mention one of those places where I think it finds a home, which is, of course, I already mentioned it, scavenging. And mm. I think the, the I don't think it's a uh, a mystery that scavenging has gotten a huge boost in this box. I think you already talked about the catalog and you previewed short supply, which were two very powerful zero XP cards that helped that cards. Uh, we might talk about another card that's very good with scavenging later. But this is the solution to the big question with scavenging: is how am I going to succeed at you and investigate? And there's a couple of different ways to do that. Uh, we're saying that uh, Patrice with uh, Mystic investigations always fun and i want to try that deck but uh i have played this card in a ash compete uh scavenging deck where i was sitting with duke who investigated four granny orn five plucky six and then i got a couple of skill cards resources into this i was triggering scavenging every turn without any sort of problem and Mm. Mm. that's not something i'm used to in survivor i'm not used to having lots of intellect in survivor but it was really strong and really fun and i mean just random shout out to ash compete also uh you can put damage and horror on your assets before you put it on your investigator card so duke helps protect this as well but yeah that's nice that's really nice yeah i just think it's a great card i think it's really good and it rounds out the composures really nicely i guess the only other thing unless someone's gonna prove me wrong like the total idiot i am I don't think it's necessarily great for Daniela, who's obviously the the survivor or the level up survivor for this box. Like mm. the intellect boost feels pretty redundant for her. I'm not going to pay enough money with this card to actually turn her into someone who can find clues. I'm just going to suck up the consequence of not being able to do it. Mm. And the static willpower boost, I think there's probably other cards, especially ones that cost one fewer XP, that also give a willpower boost, which she likes better anyway. So, I mean, maybe the, the thing to say is that she she doesn't mind having other soak outs, so she doesn't lose this. But I, I don't think it's necessarily a great fit for her. So I agree with the exception of True Solo. And I think Daniela True Solo is something that a lot of people have been wondering about because she is probably one of the hardest solo investigators to pilot. Yeah. Um, and I do think this is potentially an avenue to get some clues, which is, of course, the big challenge in her. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's like suddenly Daniela is this super good solo investigator, <laughs> but I just want to acknowledge, hey, there is a there is intellect <laughs> boost on this card, and sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I uh, almost forgot um, that people have been talking about is this is a zero-cost asset that Yorick can just recur over and over again. It oh, doesn't God, take up yeah. any slots. This is a lot of soak <laughs> in that yeah. deck. Yeah. He doesn't care too much about the boosts, but if he gets, you know, a helpful willpower test for one or two, or he finds himself with lots of resources and wants to try and get some clues. He's at intellect three with it, sure. It's a great example of how these cards, their their constituent parts are all good. Mm-hmm. So, weirdly enough, Yorick cares about the cost and the soak on it, uh, less mm-hmm. so probably the stats. But yeah, th- I mean, th- th- 
all the bits are good. Zero cost for a one three soak is very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, should I read the last survivor card? Please do. We have fend off. This is a two cost three uh, level three event. It has two agility icons and it has the gambit and trick traits. Fast play when a non elite enemy spawns at your location. That enemy attacks you. Then, automatically evade that enemy and attach fend off to it. Attached enemy cannot ready. And there's a really wild picture of Calvin being gored through a door. But it's like, whatever he's been gored by hand. is... Yeah, it's like kind of a hammer horror green, green-skinned enemy, which is, which is pretty cool. So for me, I'm comparing this with handcuffs, which is a two-cost asset. So same cost for zero XP. You have to have played handcuffs down, but then you can use your combat to evade a humanoid enemy. And if you succeed, you attach handcuffs to that enemy and they can't ready and doom can't be placed on them if they're non-elite. This obviously cares about the non-eliteness as well, but it's a sort of one and done handcuffs. Yeah, the card that I also want to compare it to, I think, is Ambush and maybe a couple of other, like, Waylay, uh, kind of one-and-done dealing with an enemy, uh, which is very good. Uh, so, kind of interestingly, it being a card that is in Survivor XP and cares about you getting, or causes you to get attacked, you would imagine this be a Daniela card, but I'm honestly not sure if she's all that interested in this. There's definitely a couple of enemies where I could see her throwing this on, but generally speaking, I think she just hits things. So I feel like this is more for people who want to, you know, kind of pro- uh, cosplay as Daniela while uh, doing other things. And I think correctly noted, Kelvin's on the arts and Kelvin loves this card. Mm-hmm. Also, somebody who loves this card who can't take it, but who loves somebody else who can take it is Trish. Yeah, yeah. You attach this to an enemy and then the Trish player carries that enemy around with them and triggers Trish's ability to get lots and lots of clues. Parallel Roland, by the way, has, I think, similar interactions with one of the directives that lets him draw cards whenever he finds clues at locations with enemies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Similar sort of thing. I don't think you've heard of Roland. He's kind of a new investigator. Okay. Is he coming up in... I don't think they've announced the new expansion yet, have they? I don't believe so. Yeah, so we've gone to this place, I think, naturally by comparing it to handcuffs, which is what else can you do with the enemy for the price of being hit by it that you haven't killed it, but you kind of keep it around. So maybe it is being kept around for your scene of the crime or interrogate. I've never played that style of kind of carrying a pet enemy around. I've seen people rave about it. I think it is a a cool style. And obviously, like you say, Trish is a really cool, cool home for that. I don't know if I want to spend three XP for it. No, I think that style is fun more than it is necessarily good. But if you are doing that, consider asking your teammate to take it because the thing about this card is we kind of skipped over it but it is just two cost fast play when an enemy would spawn deal with that enemy you don't have to worry about it anymore unless it's an enemy that starts accumulating doom which that is a problem uh but if you yeah so if you're talking about we've been talking about insmith a lot and if you have the deep one bowl you Mm -hmm. take two damage which is not insignificant but it's not a huge deal and then you don't have to worry about him for the rest of the scenario which is pretty nice and doesn't take any actions. Yeah, yeah, really nice. I think this card might suffer from, I don't know, could we call it the mark effect? Which is, anytime we see a card that has that enemy attacks you on it, people are going to think, ooh, this is a Daniela card. Mm. 
Whereas, I don't know, I don't think this is a Daniela card. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Yeah, what are you using Daniela's ability for? Pinging the enemy that you're anyway <laughs> pinning exactly, down? Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, fine. I mean, I think it's a Daniela card in the sense that it's a survivor card that is quite good, and therefore Daniela can take it, but I don't think it's a Daniela card in the sense that it in any way combos with her ability or anything like that. Yeah. It is a trick... So is it fitting in a suite of like Wendy or Rita where they're using agility to deal with enemies, broadly speaking, and they want enemies, they don't necessarily want to kill all enemies, but they do want enemies just pinned down, I guess. Yeah. I think my problem with that idea is that I think the main problem that those decks have is enemies that add doom or something like that. Yeah. And, or like enemies you don't want to have sticking around. And I'm not paying 3 XP in a deck like that to do something that my deck was already doing very well. Yeah. I would much rather play this in a like Yorick or Galvin deck where say you have the Conglomeration of Spheres from Dunwich which starts eating all your melee weapons. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of enemy I would want to hit with this because like I don't want to have to deal with you mm -hmm. and this is kind of your get out of jail card, right? It's not an, a solution that you plan to use all the time. It's just like, oh, that's a thing I don't want to have to deal with. Go away. Mm. Speaking of Dunwich, the Broods are non-elite, aren't they? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Take a 2-2 really two, two hit, which isn't great but kind of laugh your way around a brood. Swarms, I guess. Yeah, mindless dancers as well. Like that, I suppose the later you get in a campaign, the bigger the enemies get, the scarier they get. This becomes more and more useful. But yeah. I guess the other thing is if, if, if you have a big enemy that has retaliate, you want to deal with, mm. it's just a nice way to, to stop it from chomping into you every single turn or when you miss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just don't miss. So that is the end of the survivor cards. Only eight survivor cards. Fewer than the other factions, I think. But so be it. Maybe it's that they don't like Daniela. But we've got some multi-class cards to read with you, Veronica. And I'm going to read the first one, which is a Guardian Survivor Asset Protective Gear. Four cost, two XP. Willpower and Agility Icons. It's item and armor treated. Reaction when you draw a hazard treachery. Deal one damage and one horror to protective gear. Cancel that card's revelation effect. After what you've seen, you intend to sleep in it. Can soak three damage and three horror and takes up the body slot. And that sound you hear is people rushing to Arkham DB to look up the trait hazard. Oh, sorry, I thought I muted myself. <laughs> there are some pretty fun thematic interactions here. For example, tough crowd is a hazard. Obscuring Fog, also a hazard. Yeah. <laughs> Though notably, Snakebite, also a hazard, and that one does really matter. Yeah. Yes. Ants, yeah, also a hazard. <laughs> Bro oh, broken Rails, which is horrible. Oh yeah, that one. Essex. Uh, I, I think we're, we're, we may be skipping a step here, which is that this is a 4 cost, 3 health, 3 sanity soak asset that doesn't take up the most restricted slots. Mm -hmm. So before when I was talking about accessory slot being occupied by Cherish Keepsake, this was the card I was referring to. This is for some decks, potentially, maybe, if you're willing to pay four for it, which is to me the big downside of the card. This card is expensive to play, but this is a lot of soak. Uh, you can put it in your body slot, which is not the most restricted slots. And if you're, say, Yorick or Tommy, which Tommy loves this, you can get so much health and sanity out of this. Yeah, yeah. It is also an item, 
which means if you are doing scavenging, this is a potential target for that. Maybe all you're using scavenging for is to replay this every so often, and you would just have soak for days. And sorry, on hazards, there are 58 of them so far in the game. So that's more than I was expecting, certainly. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some hazards as we're traversing the Antarctic wastes. Probably not fire hazards, like the big yeah. <laughs> really opposite. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and it's worth saying, I, I looked into the hazards a little bit, and uh, I think they are pretty spread out among the campaigns. It's not like there's one campaign that has like 50 hazards and then the other all have the eight. No, it's mm. pretty spread out. Yeah. Yeah. It it feels a little bit like that. That's a bonus, and and the main ability is four costs for three and three. Which which incidentally I don't necessarily think is a bad ratio of cost to soak. Um, it's just that it's a lot of soak, so it costs a lot of a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that. Certainly better than playing, say, a true grit and the or other something one we're fighting, something for. fighting for. Yeah, together. Yeah, that two XP as well just means that the that class excess here is huge. Like, you could run this in Agnes and immediately takes your synergy up to three because she's survivor level two. Or you could run this in, I don't know, Skidzo Tool. <laughs> Suddenly you're up to synergy three again. Like, if that's what you're looking for, it's just a really big chunk of soak. So I think that's also worth noting that that two to three XP breakpoint is pretty significant in terms of where this ends up. And we're saying, if you are a guardian, you can play the star and make this soak even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and this is another item that takes damage, so it's a Lonnie Ritter card. Yeah, I need to, I need to, <laughs> need to say that because I've been really down on Lonnie Ritter in the chat recently, and people were calling me out. So, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try her. Yeah, no idea, but I'm gonna put her in some kind of deck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's still not a mechanic; she's still a tailor, but you know, <laughs> we love her, so it's fine. Well, should we move on? Okay, so the next card is Ice Pick Level 1, and I, when I'm picking up my pile, I'll notice that there's a level 3 behind it, which we'll get to in a minute. But Ice Pick Level 1 is a Seeker-slash-Survivor card with a combat icon. It is an asset, 1 XP, 1 cost. Item, tool, melee. Fast. Free triggered ability. During a skill test while, you, while fighting or investigating, exhaust Ice Pick, you get plus 1 skill value for this test, and it takes up a hand slot. And... This is a very interesting card, mm-hmm. not necessarily the most powerful. Uh, I think the most immediate comparison to me is Magnifying Glass. Yes. Yep. But Magnifying Glass gives you plus one to intellect on all your investigates. This one's only one per turn, yep. and it takes XP, and it takes up a resource. But that doesn't necessarily make this card bad. It just limits the places where I expect to see it played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You gain this ability to also get that plus one for fighting, but with the restriction, yes. as you said, as once per turn. So ideally, you want to run this in someone who doesn't mind fighting and doesn't mind investigating. Which, like, say, Ash Can Pete. Like Ash Can Pete, yeah. Like Joe, if we're looking at um, Seeker. Seekers. Yeah, I'm getting confused with names. <laughs> no worries. Uh, and this is a tool, so you can do it with his guns. Yeah. And, and also, it just says while fighting. So if you are running this in someone who is, say playing backstab or fighting yeah. in non-conventional ways, that's okay as well. Ditto with investigating, obviously, as well. So you could put it in yeah. Luke. to Agnes. To, yeah, Luke or yeah. Agnes to get a boost with your, say, Sixth Sense or or whatever it is you're doing there. Or mm-hmm. your trimming, yeah. <laughs> yeah. if, that's, if that's what you want. 
Yeah, so I think that Luke has a lot of competition for his hands, or a lot of competition. He has Hawkeye falling camera, which yeah. is very good and gives him willpower boosts. But I think Agnes specifically, I don't think she has that much hand slots, at least nothing that is going to boost her uh, spell casting. And mm. this does. It's a bit weird how this ice pick is helping you shrivel somebody. I guess you just shrivel them and then stab the ice pick in there, but... Uh, let's just move on to this level three card. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. We'll discuss more. I, I just want to acknowledge the art as well. The thing, the detail that I think really makes this art is that the handle of the ice pick has split, and I think that's so accurate for how wooden handles do warp in wet weather. So I just think that that's a really nice detail. Yeah. So going on to the ice pick level three, mm. uh, it has still one cost. Uh, it has gained an intellect icon, so now intellect and combat. It is still item tool melee. It's still fast. It uh, still takes up a hand slot, but now free trigger ability. During a skill test, while fighting or investigating, exhaust ice pick, you get plus one skill value for this test. Hey, that's all exactly the same. However, if you succeed, you may discard ice pick to have this attack deal plus one damage if you are fighting, or to discover an additional clue at your location if you are investigating. Hmm. Drop the mic. Play scavenging. Get out of here. This card is bonkers good yeah yeah so this was the inspiration or the the uh, impetus for my ashcan pete scavenging deck safe to say that card that deck is very real and this is i think the main thing the scavenging deck was missing which is a payoff i think scavenging has long been a reasonable card but people were doing things like playing it in min who by the way can take this can take scavenging can take all the other support cards just want to put that out there but they were, you know, you're recurring your items, you're committing your items to skill tests, you're using Min's ability to get yourself more icons. That's fine, there's nothing wrong with that, but the oomph was missing, the, the punch was missing. This card is crazy. So, before I get any further, I do want to quickly touch on a little bit of rules. If you are investigating, you have to trigger scavenging in step 6 of the skill test, when you determine success, and you can only trigger this in step 7. That means mm -hmm. on the test that you are Triggering the ice pick, you can't use scavenging to get that ice pick back. But you can alternate them or do other shenanigans or just do another investigate. Mm -hmm. Make it work, no problem. And what you have gotten at this point is a repeatable deduction or a repeatable vicious blow. Just over and over and over again every single turn. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. Repeatable vicious blow, repeatable deduction in one card. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. It, and I mean probably goes without saying but but in yorick as well the repeatable vicious blow that he gets back when he kills an enemy that has obvious benefits <laughs> yeah yeah really nice i've seen this played in that monterey jack deck that was running profesii profana and it was also running dr william webb and ice pick and doing all sorts of secret shenanigans with ariadne's twine and replaying these just yeah, super fun to see that deck. I think seeing... It might be the first time I've seen a Seeker deck that isn't necessarily desperate to run Deduction because you have a genuine contender if you can repeat this card. Yeah. That that fills that slot. Obviously, Deduction 2 is doing something slightly different. But I think that's... You know, talking about staples, Vicious Blow and Deduction definitely are staples of the game since the core set. And to see a card compete with that is... Yeah, really impressive. So I do want to point out the hand slot in this is pretty interesting because it's not a card that is typically going to stay in play. So you have this kind of, you know, if you're churning through your deck or, or churning through reusing these, uh, you could handle with just one of them, uh, which I'm bringing up because I have on my to-do list a Patrice deck that runs scavenging and these. 
with one hand using her violin, the other hand holding the ice pick, and then using spells to investigate and get this back. That's really nice. Nice, nice. Yeah, lovely. I, I was going to add. I think this everything Veronica said is is absolutely true, and it's it's a great payoff for that 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 style of build. I think it's a good card, even if you're not doing any of that. Just mm-hmm. a, a flexible plus one. A boost for most of the things you're doing. Like we've talked a lot about the multi-class cards, how they sit in the color pie between the two factions. You can use this even if you're focusing on one or the other. The same applies to the level one version as well, of course. If you're a seeker and you're not planning on doing much fighting, having a a plus one boost to investigating is not terrible either. Um, mm. If you go up to ice pick three, and you've got a deduction ready to go whenever you want to use it mm-hmm. um, I think not good. in your hand yeah exactly not yeah. in your hand that you can trigger when you know the test is going to be successful yeah right that's really important if you fail the test there's no need to discard this yeah 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 <laughs> the, 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 the tentacle the auto fail tentacle token on a deduction level two test is always super sad yeah yeah the other thing is it's not an action ability to use the ice pick ability so you can combine it with other things so you can combine this with attacking with a weapon and if you're fighting a three health enemy you you discard it and do the damage but if you miss you don't discard it you still have it do you want to hear the craziest combination that i've done go on because i had a really fun one uh, i don't remember what his name is but there's this the ghoul person in the uh point of no return scenario of dream eaters richard upton richard pickman, upton pickman. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes uh i had three ghouls under richard i had two ice picks in play the doll spawned which is a five health enemy that keeps coming back and i was completely sick of it so attack with richard exhaust both ice picks hit kill him we're done here one action Amazing. five damage in a deck that has no business doing combat so, <laughs> so good that's so good yeah yeah so yeah combining it with your fingerprint kit or with your weapon i think is really nice just giving you that extra little boost to make sure that those tests pass and then also potentially giving you even more efficiency when you discard it the only question i still have is what happens when i use this with six cents but i level four but i don't know how you would make that i guess bob could tell you that no bob can't take this I'll have to figure out some way to get this ice pick to somebody else and then six cents four and then break the well, game. Black, I don't know how that's going to happen. Black market. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, right. Black week. market. Yeah, no, we got there. Yeah. <laughs> that's a rules for the rules FAQ team. <laughs> I specifically said with six cents, uh, sorry, with um, with black market, people are going to enjoy finding combinations that totally break the game using this card. And yeah. ne- the very next week, we had one of those people <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm uh, to be fair. I am on the rules FAQ team. In fact, I created the rules FAQ community team to try and solve these things. So feel like I'm at least uh, you know handling it responsibly. <laughs> yeah, we have sent things to Maxine already. We haven't gotten anything back, but that's okay because Maxine is very busy and we respect her time and appreciate her trying to put in the work to help us. That's great. Yeah, I think having some kind of organized way of asking those questions, like if in the long term it means she gets fewer questions, I think that's good. Clears out her inbox. Peter, do you want to read us our last cards? Card. Yeah, absolutely. Should I read these both just one after the other? Yeah, why not? Well, they're the same card, right? They look identical. Yes. What's the difference? Yeah. yeah. Uh, just before we started recording, Veronica said her friend was had assumed these cards were the same, right? Mm-hmm. Or hadn't realised they were different. 
Yeah, he just had, I mean, and I, this is somebody who actively plays a lot of Arkham and yeah. knows the cards very well. And I just completely, uh, we should probably talk about what the card does, yeah. but I do have a couple of comments about that. Well, I, I just, I can't imagine the, the mind-blowing experience, which when they play the card, you, you can say, well, which one are you playing? And they say, what? Well, there's two different versions and just like mind-blown. <laughs> anyway, right, let's start with uh, Precious Memento from A Former Life. This is a, a Rogue and Survivor multi-class card. It is 3 cost, uh, 4 XP, and it has 2 wild icons. Item, Charm, and Blessed. Limit, 1 Precious Memento from a former life per deck. Reaction, after you fail a skill test by 2 or more, exhaust Precious Memento, heal 1 damage from it. After you succeed at a skill test by 2 or more, exhaust Precious Memento, heal 1 horror from it. It has 3 health and 3 sanity, and uses the accessory slot. And I'm just going to read by exception where Precious Memento from a Future Life differs. Instead of Blessed, it is Cursed. And it has the two abilities uh, the other way round. So if you fail a skill test by two or more, it heals one horror. If you succeed at a skill test by two or more, it heals one damage. Before anybody says it, no, Matteo can't take this. <laughs> I thought so. It's a blessed card. And then I was, wait, no, level three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so the, the the thing I do want to mention is I really wish they just made like the it's sitting in some kind of box with some kind of silk cloth underneath there. Couldn't they just have made that like green or blue or yellow or any other color than identical yeah. for the other version? Because then it immediately you know that there's two different cards. They did that mm-hmm. with the, the previous set of multi-class. So like the the Salmash, for instance, there's, the art is slightly different on the leveled, leveled up versions yeah. from the level yeah. zero version as well. And those have different borders as well, so you immediately already can tell that they're different cards. Yeah. These have the same border, mostly the same text. So as far as design or as far as like visual layout goes, not the best. But let's talk about what the card actually does, shall we? Mm. So we just talked about protective gear and being a three-three soak, which is a lot. And this is uh, twice the XP, but one resource fewer, so that's okay. And it's potentially more than three because you can use these abilities to get more soak out of it. It does take up the accessory slot, which is a, a tough ask. Mm, mm. It's sort of like a souped-up Cherish Keepsake in that way. If you're running Cherish Keepsake in your accessory slot as a survivor, potentially this replaces that Keepsake and you're hoping that it's going to do loads of, of work for you in terms of healing. In Rogue, obviously, that accessory slot is even more competitive than in Survivor. So yeah, really difficult to dedicate that slot just to soaking. I find these abilities, the two reactions, really tricky to get my head around. I mean, I understand how they work, but I think what I find challenging is working out which investigators like failing and like succeeding by a lot. And that's where, obviously, it does combine the faction that likes succeeding by a lot and the faction that likes failing in one. It's making me think of potentially like a quick learner Stella deck where... Early in the turn, you might be failing by a lot and healing the card, but later in the turn, you might succeed by a lot when the quick learner has dropped the difficulty. So I think that's kind of a nice possible place that it it plays into. And I think also the other thing I've said on the cast is that Bob develops in this way. You can start Bob very survivory, maybe using some failure tech, and then as he upgrades into Rogue, if you want to upgrade into ways of succeeding by a lot, he can become a succeed by X investigator. So he might also fall into that space, I suppose. So I think 
to me at least, I don't, I'm not looking to activate both of these triggers all the time for the same investigator. Because it's worth saying it does exhaust, which means you can only fire mm, one of these. Yeah, turn. but then. And I think the one that I'm most looking at, I'm actually looking at the one that uh, the former life version much more than the future life. Because if I'm playing a rogue deck, unless I'm playing Sefina, odds are I'm worried about horror. Mm-hmm. And so the, that one has the ability to, if I succeed at a test by two or more, I can heal one horror. And so I see this as a kind of, uh, you know, kind of Peter Sylvester style, take a whole bunch of horror and slowly heal that while also having a couple of points of damage soak and kind of vice versa. Like, I don't think every investigator will treat these cards like that, mm-hmm. but I think that mm-hmm. the this is a card that should be solving a very specific problem of damage or horror. It shouldn't just be trying to do everything. I mean, it could, of course, and not never say never, but... It is a... Uh, I would play it specifically to deal with horror or specifically to deal with damage and then look at what does my investigator do? Are they failing a lot? Are they succeeding a lot? Pick the version that matches that and kind of do it that way. Interesting question. Would you play both? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a very good question. Yeah, I suppose I'm looking to, to answer your first point. I'm looking for three cost, four XP if I'm only really using one of the abilities on the card, I'm not sure I'm sold on that because of the accessory slot. So that's why I was thinking, like, how can we get the most out of this card and also get the other ability? Playing both, wow. So you're running, maybe running Relic Hunter as well or picking and choosing which one comes up. I mean, <laughs> honestly, again, I'm thinking about Bob because also Bob could sell this to other people. And that's like pure support, isn't it? Selling something for three costs to give someone loads of soak that they might be able to trigger the ability of. They hurt my head. They're trippy in that it's way. A, it's, a, it's a lot of soak in a slot that doesn't normally have soak is, is something I'd add. Yeah, apart from Cherish Keepsake, right? You get a little bit. Yeah, on Cherish Keepsake, on, on Rosary, you have a little bit of soak. Is it even any physical damage soak accessories? I can't think off the top of the head. Maybe there is. That's a very difficult question. I usually know all the cards, but that one, <laughs> I dare not. I dare not. We found the answer. question that, that <laughs> caught you. So, 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 I mean, if you're looking to cram every slot with soak, it's another option for that, I guess, and on something that can heal itself. So, I, it's it's an option, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not badly priced either. When I did my big spreadsheet of all the the, the soak mm-hmm. costings. I mean, it's more competitively priced just from a pure soak point of view than protective gear. So th- it's a it's a two to one ratio of total soak to cost with a healing built in, which is which is not it's 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 not bad. For, yeah, for two what to it, one for what it does, if not better, because it also heals, right? Yeah, and it's scavengeable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want to be involved in a game where that requires me to play this card multiple times because it's been killed multiple times, but, you know. Well, hey, Dan- Danielle is taking those I guess maybe you're playing Depths of Yoth and you're, you know, then doing on the final agenda and you're just getting destroyed by the Encounter deck. Danielle has taken a big attack, played Blood Will Have Blood. Put That's on what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hit by that 3-3 enemy, yeah. Draw six cards. So I did look it up. There's exactly one other accessory that has health. And it's the Advanced Heirloom of Hyperborea from... Uh, oh, Paramount. that's 3-3 as well, isn't <laughs> it? There we yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, I knew I was missing one. It was in the back of my mind that there was another one that was 3-3, and I couldn't remember what it was. There's definitely something to be said for combining this much soak and potentially limitless soak all into one place. And I, maybe that's why it's on the accessory slot, because otherwise, in a way, it's too good if you can put all of your soak on one card that doesn't also compete with slots. So you're trading in 
or using Relic Hunter, but you're trading in, say, that amazing slot to then not worry about your allies having to soak for you, not worrying about running coats and keepsakes if that's what you're doing. If you're Yorick, you might only replay this every so often if you really need to. That in itself is potent. And you know, insert here all the things we've said about soak versus healing and the new the new weaknesses, the partners in Edge of the Earth, all of the kind of questions that are in the air about how are we going to handle damage and horror in this cycle coming up. So I think it's definitely worth bearing in mind in that regard. It's not going to, by the way, get rid of those weaknesses because it only heals itself. But, you know, you might be taking more damage on this because you're not wanting to, uh, whatever. Yeah. Cool. Any final thoughts before we move on? Uh, I, I feel like this Persian Memento feels a little bit like an exceptional card to me. Mm, like it's the yeah. one, limit one per deck. You don't often are going to want to play both, as you mentioned. And that makes the 4 XP feel a little different in my head. I don't know. Just the idea of a 2 XP exceptional card or level 2 exceptional cards, and a 4 speak because it's not a card that I want multiple times in my deck, but then we run into all the classic exceptional problems of having yeah. to find it and play yeah. it. And the best way to find exceptional cards is probably Lucky Cigarette Gaze 3, which takes up an accessory slot, so... <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a real head-scratcher. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I should have asked you back whether we'd, you'd asked whether I would play both. So I'm taking that as a tentative no, that you probably wouldn't want to get both in play. If I do, I want to have a Solemn Vow in play and then just be soaking for my entire team for the rest of the game. Oh, I like that. Yeah. With both in play, you can, if you're a succeed by whatever investigator, you can put the damage on the future life and the horror on the former life and then succeed a test by two and exhaust both of them to heal like from each one. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You need your smoking pipe and your pinkos up for that one. Oh, no, don't do this to me. So that brings us to the end of this selection of cards, the Survivor XP cards for Edge of the Earth Investigator expansion for players. Veronica, what's the standout card of this selection for you? It's going to be Ice Pick. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, close second, I think, Fire Extinguisher. I'm really excited to try that card, but that's kind of the thing. I haven't gotten to try Fire Extinguisher yet, and I have gotten to try Ice Pick, and it was even more crazy than I already thought it was going to be. Mm. So, yeah, I'm just so excited. Scavenging is a deck that I've long looked at. You know, is it is it good? It's fun, but is it good? And I think now it's just, yeah, definitely. Get some catalogs in there, get the short supply in there, go to town, and I'm very excited to see what various survivors with different off-class and weird abilities can do with it mm-hmm. yeah yeah peter how about you well i mean by precedent i have to pick plucky as one of my cards i'm excited about <laughs> i think like veronica it's always been one of the the composers i've liked the most anyway along with moxie so i'm keen to give that a go and i think uh and this is a, a success story for veronica here i think she's really taught me around on on strength and numbers as well I'll I think it. that Patrice deck, I might I might give that a bash when we're finished here and and, and see if that if that if that goes anywhere. Um it's been a while since I played Patrice. There seemed to be last time I played Patrice, or every time I've looked at building Patrice, I've always been steered down a sort of similar path to the to the way I've always played it. So if there's a compelling reason to take some of the cards and look at some of the strats in there, uh, I think mm. it's worth revisiting it. So yeah. I mean I like Ice Pick a lot. Could I offer you a compelling reason to try different cards in Patrice? Go on. Try joining the next campaign play-along. 
I haven't officially announced this anywhere yet, and it's a couple of weeks from recording when you'll probably be hearing this, but the next campaign play-along will most likely be the core set, uh, Knight of the Zealot campaign, with the Edge of the Earth uh, investigator cards as the campaign, because not everybody, myself included, have the uh, investigator expansion for players, but then enemies and encounter cards mm-hmm. expansion. <laughs> and the uh, I really want to give everybody a spin with these new cards in a kind of familiar environment. So we're going back to Knight of the Zealots and bringing the newest of the newest Edge of the Earth campaign. And uh, there's no corners in that card pool, so if you're trying yeah. to play Patrice, you're going to have to try something new. If I can new. find enough survivor cards, then yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that that sounds promising. I, I, I'll, I'll mess around with it and see what I can come up with. Obviously, aside awesome. from Ice Pick, which is just a fantastic card. Anyway, that would be my picks. How about you, Frank? My eyes are drawn back to Blood Will Have Blood, and I really want to try it. Because, yeah, I think maybe it is a bit under the curve and I'm intrigued and I like card draw. And then I think also for what I said about Burn After Reading being a style I don't often play, I think I'd really like to give that and Deja Vu a proper go and embrace my deck burning in my hands as I play. I definitely think there's a Daniela Deja Vu build to be put together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'd be excited to see you try that, Frank. (laughs) <laughs> so you'd like me to do it okay. yeah so I don't have to <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us Veronica how can people get in touch with you if they want to send you a message a couple of different ways so I have a YouTube channel until the end of time on YouTube I also have a Twitter account uh, at until Arkham mm-hmm. and I don't um, I'm not much for social, so I think if you want to reach me, best place is to just go to Discord, either the Mythos Buster server or the Drawn to the Flame server, because I'm in there as well. Uh, just ping Veronica, and odds are I'm the only person, I think, with that username in the chat. <laughs> and then just, you're, with this one, explicit permission to ping me if you want to chat with me. I'm always excited to talk about Arkham. I'm always excited to hear from people. You know, Please chat with me. Uh, always fun and uh yeah, really thank you for inviting me on here. I, I haven't said so yet, but Drawn to the Flame was the reason I got into content creation myself, because I was like, this is super cool, but I think I could do something similar myself. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't think I'm <laughs> I don't think I'm quite at, at the level you are yet, but I know it was it was a, a bit of a, a bucket list item for me to come on here and ha- join you for an episode. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to do that. So thank you very oh, much. I hope you enjoyed yourself. It's been really, really good talking to you. Um, just yeah. one thing before before we go, um, just remind us once again, if people want to in, uh, join in on the campaign playthrough, how do they do that? Uh, so you go to the Mythos Busters server, which is discord.gg slash Mythos Busters. Mythos Buster? Mythos Busters. Try those and you'll hopefully get there. Or just ask on Reddit. Uh, I'm also on Reddit occasionally. And then there is a channel in the bar. Scroll down a bit and there's a channel called Campaign Playalong. Just pop in there, say, hi, I'm new, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'll jump in there right away and give you some advice or other people will if i'm asleep uh and it's pretty straightforward you just sign up uh we're currently playing through carcosa we're wrapping that up all the news gets posted there and you know it's pretty should be pretty uh self-explanatory yeah Thank just you. a plus one for that i really enjoyed the campaigns that i've had time to take part in and i think having that community moment that every week it's like oh we're talking about the pallid mask this week everyone's just played it it brings everyone onto the same page in terms of talking about an experience in the game like we had when Mythos Packs came out. And I think that's just lovely that that exists. So yeah, thank you for doing it. And thank you so much for joining us, Veronica. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank both of you. So if you want to get in touch with us, we're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. 
We're drawn to the flame on Facebook, Twitter, designed by humans, Patreon if you want to become a patron of the cast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Peter, we've definitely done all of the Edge of the Earth cards now, right? Yeah, finished. Surely. Dust it, I'm, I'm going to dust my hands off. Finished. Uh, I don't want to break push your bubble, but I have the binder back here, and I don't know. There's no. some cards I don't think I've heard you talk about yet. No. <laughs>